0: All right, open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. <laughs> All our middle school folks and junior church, are, are, are uh, can't head on out, so... We uh we're being flexible this morning, so what do you mean being flexible? And we had had some folks had some folks who were who were uh, doing some things and, and they uh, they were under the weather and we had some other folks who were subbing in and then there and then they're under the weather and I appreciate folks who feel like they don't need to, uh, that they're uh, adult enough and, and kind enough that they, they kind of keep, keep the disaster to themselves. How many of you are glad for those kind of things, folks, right? And uh, so we uh, we, appreciate, <coughs> we appreciate that. One of the things we're going to do, and you'll see, and if you've never read, we've got a few extras, but, uh, but if you've never thought about the, what does it mean, Jesus ri- re- rising from the dead, is it just fiction? Is it a nice story? And we've got about 100 of these, The Case for Easter. Some of you have read it. Some of our groups have gone through it in the past. And if you want one of those, or if you've got somebody who's a skeptic in your life, or maybe struggling, it is an excellent resource for you to use. And we'd be glad for you to have that. Glad for you to have that. I think I've said all I need to say and all. (coughs) And... um, all right, very good. Stan, uh, we're going to read just a little bit of this. Luke 22, if you're willing and able, stand as we pay honor to God and His Word. I want to introduce it. We'll just go a few verses, guys, and we're not going to read the whole thing. He came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives. Verse 39, Luke 22, and his disciples also followed him. So you've got the 11. Judas has gone off already to enact the betrayal. Verse 40, when he was at the place, he said to them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Verse 41, See, he was withdrawn from them by the stones cast and kneeled down and prayed. Most folks think Jesus did this. He didn't go very far. It was for the disciples' benefit. He wanted them to hear him. He is separated. He left eight, took three more, as he'd done a few times. He'd done this at least uh, twice. And so he's doing this, and he begins to pray, verse 42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup. Circle, underline, highlight. What in the world is he talking about there? For me... Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If you ever want to see the submission and humiliation, what we would call of Christ, it's hard to find better verses in Luke. You'll see a different take on it in Philippians than right here. And all of this is going on, verse 43. And there appeared an angel to him from heaven strengthening him. What we read quickly... What we summarized in two verses has exhausted him to the point of needing a ministering angel. Verse 44, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Sweat was it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose up in prayer, come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow. Last verse, and said to them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation would you pray with me father front to back left and right speak to hearts help me to focus help me to preach clearly help me enunciate well and god i pray that you'd be with me i pray that you'd help help us to hear understand obey the scriptures and in thrill our hearts again with the story of you on the road to the cross convict us of sin deepen our devotion and teach us what you'd have us to know from the scripture. I pray it all in Jesus' precious name and amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> be seated. We're on the road to road to Easter. And we've been doing that for a little while now. We started off. We started off in his house. And I've been looking at a little crossroads. He goes to the temple and he cleans the house one more time. And I suggested last week it was his betrayal. And we looked at Jesus' interaction back and forth. With Judas Iscariot, and I'm telling you, it just convicts me so much. You're going to see Judas pop up again here as he one more time says to Judas, are you really sure you want to do this? Are you really sure you want to do this? And I find myself within, with an embarrassment of riches. Now, I need, I need a little bit of help this morning, a little bit of help this morning. How many of you have decorations, maybe seasonal decorations, maybe, maybe it's whatever, but you got, you got stuff in boxes somewhere stored away, And every time you open them, whether it's fall or Christmas or spring or whatever, you are surprised at the amount of jazz that you've got stuffed away. Anybody over here? You got lots of decorations? You got lots of decorations? Yeah, all right, several of you are pointing pointing at people and others of you are just coming forward right now all right it's not a it's not a sinful thing it's okay anybody over here you got a bunch of jazz right? yeah, just going nope i just moved i got nothing and uh i got nothing <laughs> uh yeah that's uh, that's pretty good pretty good joji you got some you got some decorations right yeah, all right, Joji's yeah, got a shed in the back, nothing but. Uh, and I'm teasing, that's not true. Anybody over here got some stuff? He's like, no, nope, man, I got anything, it goes. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we, find, we find, our, find ourselves like this. Y'all moved recently. Joy, you probably got rid of things, or did you just take it with you? Just made move. All right, made the move, made the move, and got more. My mother got in her head some years ago that she's got too many decorations. so She thinks that the daughters-in-law want them. And you know what it causes the daughters-in-law to do? My mom, stopped watching these services. I can say this now. You know what it's called my mom, my, 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 the daughters-in-law to do? To get ill with their husbands. Why does your mom keep giving this stuff? She doesn't want it. Why does she think we want it? Why does she think we want it? I said, I don't know, honey. You ask. Her. I'm not going to ask you. She's not my mother-in-law. I'm like, man, I've, I've lost all the way around here. Uh, I've lost all the way around. <coughs> can you guys put my slides up? Um, you don't have them? cool and uh, no slides neat I bet we do so cool yeah yeah maybe maybe we hit them again so hit them again all right um hit that refresh, make sure we're, make sure they're not, uh, make sure there's not two 12ths back there, uh, or two uh, or 19ths back there, so anyway. So when we're going at this, when we're talking about this, so so uh, so she's saying all these kind of things, and I finally asked my mom, I finally, my brother ducked the question, I finally said, Mom, why are you giving all this stuff away? You know, you know your house is a lot bigger than our house, why are you giving, she said, she said, it was some somebody needs to use it. And I'm like, Mom, that's, that may be true, but you you, you need to put that on Put that, you know, take that to the swap shop or take that to the, take that to the thing or have a, have a yard. So just, well, no, I, I know y'all will appreciate that. And, uh, and while I'm talking to him, my brother's rolling his eyes so hard you can hear him click. And, uh, you know, nobody, nobody wants a 40-year-old decoration. Um, and uh, anyway, so we, we laugh about that. And, I, and I'm looking at this, and I, I'm like, man, I want to make sure I'm not acting like somebody who's got boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff and going, hey, you take this box and it's back to this box. Because I do feel like there's such an embarrassment of riches here. And when I start talking about the Garden of Gethsemane, some of you that have been around church a little bit, you're going, okay, I know that. I know that. All right, let's just move on. Let's move on to something a little more novel or something like that. And, and I, don't want to pull a, I don't want to pull a Burns, a Ken Burns, and take something that should take 30 minutes and take two or three hours. or what well, I, I don't want to do anything But I, I do want us to slow down a little bit. And I hope you don't feel like, hey, I just I had all this stuff. Instead, I, I want you to see it fresh. Once you see it new, I want you to look at it again, those of you who are really familiar maybe with the Easter story, and go, wow, and some others that are not real familiar. Maybe you've got a little hodgepodge a Easter bunny and a little hodgepodge of, of flowers and, and this kind of stuff and, uh, and family pictures. Don't don't miss it because in, in the crucible of these verses is something just really and truly so amazing, so amazing. In your hymn book there, there's a, there's a hymn, I Stand Amazed, or sometimes it's called My Savior's Love, a guy named Gabriel. A guy named Gabriel wrote it. Wrote it, he says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. For me it was in the garden, he prayed, not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. In pity, angels beheld him, came from the world of light to comfort him in the sorrows he bore for my soul that night. He took my sins and sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burdens to Calvary and suffered and died alone. When with the ransom His glory, His face I at last shall see. T'will be my joy through the ages to sing of His love for me. And on we go. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And my song will ever be. <clears throat> Tis my Savior's love for me. I stand amazed. That song taken in part from the passage that's in front of you. The passage in front of you. So let's set the scene a little bit here. In fact, there's just a, <coughs> there's just a few things, Riley. If it's not there, maybe it's in Wednesday. So maybe there's some cross communication, but it, it is uploaded. So uh, I checked it. I checked it earlier. So so I'm not sure. So there's some cross communication. You see a few things that are see a few things that are here. First off, you see where he's at. He says he's going to cross over the book Brook Kidron. Brook Kitchen, it's an interesting thing. It literally means a place that is just colored, a place that sandy or silty. It's going to be on the east side of the temple. And so this is a just almost nondescript. Occasionally when it really rains, it'll really go to town, it'll flood and become a torrent of a river. But at feast time, in particular, the day of Passover, Feast of Passover, they will have an unusual occurrence. I've said before that if you think of the temple as a cold, sterile place, you kind of miss it. It was busy, it was bustling, and there was lots and lots of people butchering things. It smelled like a great barbecue. There was constantly animal sacrifice. It was constantly bread, bread being break, baked and they would slay thousands and thousands of animals and butcher them. And they would, as they were butchering them, and they had the vats that would catch all the excess and thing. and they would take and expel them basically off the side of the temple, and it would run down, and it would discolor the bank, and it would reach the little dry bread of the brook Kidron, and it would discolor it, and it would turn it almost a purplish color, a red color. Jesus literally... The Lamb of God on his way will walk over and cross over this dry, mushy brook on his way to the Mount of Olives, on his way to this Garden of Gethsemane. Some of you have been privileged perhaps to travel <coughs> to the, what we would call the Holy Land or Palestine. An honest tour guide will tell you there are four possible locations. For where Jesus is going to do the praying, a dishonest one will say it's exactly here. The reason they can't pinpoint it is because the Romans in A.D. seventy would come in, came in, and they took out so many of the olive trees. There are olive trees that have survived for thousands of years, but it's just hard to know because they might have tore them out. But Jesus knew this place. This place he went all the time. Place he went enough. Judas Iscariot is so confident he says, "I will go. I know right where he's headed." And I will come and betray him. 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 And so you have a few things that are here. You have the battle. You have the cup. You have the nap. You have the kiss. You have the sword. You have the battle. There's going to be a spiritual battle. There's going to be an almost little bit of a battle. Peter's going to draw out a sword. He's going to take off the high servant's ear You're going to have the nap. Everybody goes to sleep. The disciples that are around him go to sleep twice. Jesus is going to wake them up two different occasions. They can't stay awake long enough to pray. You're going to have the kiss. Judas is going to come in with a kiss. You're going to see the sword. You're going to see the sword. So we've got three scenes that are here. Three scenes. Number one, let let me walk you through these. You're going to see the agony of Jesus, the apathy of the disciples, and you're going to see the anger of the religious leaders. You're going to see three things here, so let me, let me walk you through them. You're there in the Scripture, so I want you to, I want you to stay with me here. And Again, sorry about the, sorry about the slides, I'm not real sure what's going on. Luke 22, verse 39, he says, "...He came out as He went to the Mount of Olives, disciples followed Him. He says to them, verse 40, "...Pray that you enter not to temptation." Verse 42, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. <clears throat> he starts off here with a metaphor of a cup. And You see his agony. This doesn't mean much to us. Uh, we don't say that. If we say we're, we're going to talk about a trial, we're just going to use the word trial. If we're going to talk about a hard time. We're going to talk about a hard time. We rarely will use this expression here. But the Jewish year, man, it just hit them. Because they use cups to represent all kind of things. They use cups, particularly marriage. A devout or Hasidic Jewish wedding now will still use the cups. They will still the father Of the bride will negotiate, now symbolically will negotiate with the groom. And when they have arrived at a price, and again usually now it's just very symbolic, he will offer a cup and if the groom accepts it, then the marriage is now can commence and everybody's satisfied. Again, more symbol now than anything. But in that time, that was it. That was it, man. If you accepted the cup and you took a swig from it, then the deal was done and he had gotten the blessing of the father to, to marry the bride and the bridegroom done what he was supposed to. They would even give each other a cup at the ceremony offering and saying, I give this to you and you give this to me and we, we symbolically do this to one another. There was the Passover cup. I don't have the time. I've done it in previous services. Maybe I can link that online. You can look at that. There were four cups. Some say five, but there was at least four cups going on at the Last Supper when they observed that. It was a cup. And Jesus took that third cup. He took that third cup, the cup of salvation, raises it, looks at him. This cup is the New Testament, the new covenant in my blood. You do this as often as you think of me. He forever changed them looking back to deliverance from Egypt <laughs> and He changed it now looking back to me delivering you. Wait for it. He's got the cup now. He's got the cup now. I looked, I, I, I stopped because it was, it was about 90-10 uh, in my, my research. About 90 said this is a cup of anguish and a cup of suffering, and Jesus is really struggling with the decision. And about 10% were going, no, this is a Philippians idea. He was not trying to get glory for himself, and he looked and he says, I am submissive to your will. And if you will let me do this great thing for you, then I will do it. And, I, and I'm not certain which it is. I don't think Jesus was ever scared. Nod your head if you follow my tracking here. I don't think Jesus was ever frightened. I think Jesus was absolute God. If Jesus is looking into the horror that's ahead and, and it gives him pause, and, and perhaps, I, I, I don't know. But I do know he has always known what was ahead. And I do know that he is in such anguish at this moment, this last possible trial of his. John's gonna, or Luke's going to record that an angel's going to come and minister to him. When we talk about agony, we almost always go to the cross, or maybe go to the cat of nine tails, and then the beating, and then the crown of thorns. But it actually starts here. We see the cup, we see the, we see the sweat drops of blood, uh, Brother Adrian mentioned this Wednesday night. Hematodrosis—it's an effusion of blood in one's perspiration. It can be caused by extreme anguish or physical strain. For most people, it is unbelievably a dangerous condition. The capillaries, uh, the subcutaneous capillaries, dilate and burst, mingling blood with sweat. He says he has been brought to this point, to the threshold of death praying in agony in the garden there's his agony there's the cup there's the sweat there's the angel that comes in you're still there with me still there with me don't miss it don't miss it verse 44 being in agony he prayed more earnestly verse 45 even after he is in this moment when he would come up from prayer, there came disciples, and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he is now what? The song said it well. He is now alone in the garden. They couldn't hang out with him. There's two occasions here. If you think Jesus is being rough with him, don't forget, he's going to roust them twice. He says they're upset. They, he, the idea is they're emotionally upset, and they do what some of us do. Some of them, when we get emotionally upset, we eat some, some, some just themselves. And un, some folks, man, you can tell when you're really emotionally upset, you just go down, lay down. And the idea here is they go lay down. If, if you give them a pass on the first one, you can't give them a pass on the second one, because the second one, they knew better. He had told them, man, the trial of your life is coming. And Peter, you're about to experience the absolute worst moments of your life. You better be ready. Satan's about to tear you all to pieces. And Peter joins them and takes not one nap, but two. And there's the agony. There's the agony of the, in the garden. When Weir'sby says it was a costly, it was a costly cup. He prays for them to hear. He prays for them to understand. He prays. And they sleep, and we see, secondly, there the apathy, the apathy of the disciples. The eight are doing whatever they're doing, and the three don't seem to get it. The three don't understand the, uh, the opportunity that they have, and for whatever reason, they don't join in. They don't join in. And we see, we see there their apathy. Man, I, and, and I want to really jump at you ever, you ever You ever sort of kind of understood something and sort of kind of wanted to render judgment? It's called Twitter. Uh, you, you ever you ever done that? Ever done that? <clears throat> anybody anybody you watch? Uh, you, you, we talked about March Madness. You ever watched? You, you watch people and you're like, you know, I'll take it from that guy because he played basketball. But that guy, that guy, you know, he he would need Wikipedia and a smartphone to figure out what's going on. But he's an expert on something, and you don't want to take it there. You want to take it. And, and I'm really, really man, I want to want to jump down their throat because I know the end of the story. But my first response in difficulty, my first response when I'm feeling weak and I'm easy to give in to temptation, is not to pray. Maybe it's yours. It's not mine. My first first response is to make excuses. My first response is to rationalize. Anybody here? Well... So and so did, or if you got somebody kind of accusing you, you throw it back at them, right? Anybody here? Anybody here? Maybe you don't play tennis, but you're excellent at lobbing stuff back at people. Somebody says something to you and go, fine. What about that? And then they hit it back. By the way, by the way, in my world, about the second time somebody hits something back at you, it's a fight. I mean, it's all now. It might be a cool fight. Well, fine. Mm-mm. You may not be raising your voice, but you got the eyebrows working. And you got all those kind of things. And we look at these guys here and we go, why don't they get it? There's, there's, the, uh, there's the group that's coming led by Judas. I mean, they're coming by night and the disciples don't seem to get it. Jesus is praying so hard. He is in such distress. The capillaries break. He sweats great drops of blood. His clothes are stained. It is obvious. He's in such distress, an angel comes to minister to him, and they're taking a nap. Isn't that us? But we need help. <laughs> we he need volunteers. Eh? Man, you need to pray lest you enter into temptation. What do we do? We don't pray. We just go get closer to the temptation. We make it easier for us, right? I used to, used to, tell, used to tell a teenager, I used to tell my students, they'd they try and argue me about something. I go, I go, Look, look, for some of you, some of you, you started sinning when you let that thing build a nest in your hair. You, you, and you started sinning. I told, told one guy, he was arguing with me one time, and he, just, he was just all over the place. I said, man, when you picked up that case of beer and put it in your car on Friday, you had started sinning them before you ever cracked a cold one because you, you intended to get completely sloshed by, you better be careful. You better learn to pray. Now, you're not praying. And by the way, they're all going to scatter, and Peter's about to make a mess. There's the apathy of the disciples. There's the anger of the religious people. You still with me? Do you know I mean? There's the anger of the religious people. <clears throat> they, they, get, they get Judas. They get Judas. Um, some of you travel. Some of you travel. You, yeah, four or five people travel that I that I know. No. in a lot of countries, a lot of countries you don't shake hands as much as you you kind of you kind of air kiss, kind of air kiss. And depending on where you are at, you may go cheek to cheek. If you're a germaphobe, you travel. God bless you, because uh, because it's coming, because it's coming. Brandon, you may have heard this. I don't know, but I'd, I'd never I'd never been really outside the country. Outside the country, I'd been to South Carolina. There, are people are strange there. But and and uh, never really been outside the country. And uh, it all works out, man. I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to go to Cuba. Got to have this, got to have that. You can, you can go legally, but it's quite a few hoops. And if you're, if you're doing religious work, it's, it's actually a little bit easier. And so do all these hoops. Get there, man. I got folks I'm supposed to meet. I don't know. And, and my buddy's taking me. And we're going down there. And everybody, and, and man, I'm getting a crash course in Cuban culture. <clears throat> and I don't know what's fact and fiction. Anybody anybody have bad friends who like to mess with you? So I don't know what's, I don't know what's real and I don't know what's not. One thing they've told me, one thing they told me, man, look. Everybody's gonna greet you for a couple of reasons. One, I've never, seen a, I've never seen a white guy looks like you. And I'm like, okay. And, and two, because they've been told all Americans are bad. All Americans are bad. You're gonna come down there and we're gonna come down there and we're gonna stick out <clears throat> be like sore thumbs. And everybody's gonna kiss you, but it's just gonna, you're gonna get close to your cheek, close to your cheek and kind of air pop. And like, I'm good, I'm good to go, man, I'm good to go, all right. This is the, and then they've also told me about all the diseases and the fact that you know you can't drink the water, and so I'm so I'm terrified. Every pocket I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got an antibiotic hand soap. Uh, I got, I mean, I got stuff. And uh, if I could have, if I could have figured out, you know, I'd squirt it on people. And I mean, because they got me terrified, all this kind of stuff. So we get there. It's a hassle to get there. We're running behind, which I didn't know Cubans don't tell time, and uh, it's just tiempo de Cuba. So anyway, the service is two hours late, and there's still people getting there. I mean, nobody's waiting. They got there when they got there, and we only preached like 20 minutes. I'm like, this is a really short service. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Then we get there, and, and so they're really excited to see us. so excited to see me. Everybody there is shorter than me, except for a few people. And there was a lady there. She was about six foot two. Six foot two, and apparently she'd been part of the Russian occupation. I'm not real sure, but man, she could have bench pressed any cattle. Uh, she was a fit. I mean tall lady and she came up to me and I've been prepared for this nobody's ever kissed me yet but I've been prepared and so I kind of lean in like this and apparently she didn't know what the Cuban custom was and man and she laid one on me and and, and she got me and I looked at my buddy and he's like he's like antiseptic <laughs> anyway and uh, I'm teasing we didn't do that but anyway she laid one on me and I'm thinking okay Look, I'm not staying here uh, because I'm looking because behind her is a bunch of men. I'm not doing this. Uh, You know, I'm okay with the cheek thing, I think. So anyway, so the next person came up to me. I'm like this hi <laughs> and uh actually I said hola and uh and they're there and we're laughing and and uh they're looking at me finally getting done the pastor saw what was going on the pastor of the church there and he looked at me he said he said I don't know why she did that we don't do those kind of things said she must have liked you I said I said look you know you know she about ruined Cuba for me and you know now I got a guilty conscience I got to tell my wife you know you know, first night out of town, you know, here I am, a of my wedding vows, all this. You know, I had a whole little spiel. Andrea thought it was funny when I told her a few years later. Uh, and uh, anyway, I'm, I'm teasing. That last part I made up. A lot of places, though, it's, how you doing? Lean in. He feigns a friendship. He feigns the faith. He feigns his fealty. And I think it's the last time Judas ever experienced joy. He thought he would force Jesus' hand. I'm almost of the opinion, somewhere in the back of his mind, if he's surrounded by these soldiers, if it comes down to it, he walked on the water, he healed all these people, he will deliver us from the Romans if I force his hand. But if not, I at least got my money. We said it last week. I won't re-preach it. The heartbreak that led to self-harm. Because when he was done with the devil, the devil wasn't done with him. He gives the kiss. He gives the kiss. You see this anger. Jesus, by the way, hits him at the last few verses there. He says, it's fine that you do this at night. You're acting just like who you are. Some of the meanest, sinfulest people in the world hide under the guise of religi- religiosity. Peter gets awake. He doesn't need an energy drink. He doesn't need a Joke Cola. He doesn't need any caffeine pills. He doesn't need a, whatever they sell down here at He doesn't need a 64 ounce caffeine brew. He's scared. Wait for it. No, no, you're not going to take him. There could have been four. There could have been 400. There could have been 2,000. The words really do translate or culturally. There's the elite guard, though, the temple. That's obvious. These are not average soldiers. These are the people to keep anybody, for example, to come in and mess things up. They've got them. They've got the leaders. It's a whole thing. Peter's got sword, not sword. He's got sword. I don't think he was trying to cut the guy's ear off. I just think he was half awake, running on adrenaline, and either the guy ducks or he misses. He cuts his ear off. Now wait for it. Wait for it. If everybody around you's got a sword or a gun and you draw your sword or gun, guess what's about to happen to you? You're about to be on TV as recent victim. They got two swords, 11 apostles. Peter pulls out one. They are hopelessly outmatched. and Jesus saves Peter's life. It's the only recorded occurrence where Jesus heals a fresh wound. It's almost the only time where Jesus heals someone who didn't ask for it and where no faith was displayed. He didn't do it for Malchus, the high priest here. We see that in John 18. He did that. Why? He did that to save Peter's life. One more time, Simon. Let me interrupt here. We said this yesterday. I remind you. You know, you know my, my, my friend would believe if they saw a miracle. My friend would believe if they saw Jesus floating in the sky. My, my, my whatever would believe. Let me help you. Let me help you again. Everybody there saw the miracle. His ear was on the ground. Jesus fixed it. He didn't go to rehab. He didn't go to auditory training. He fixed the ear, staunched the bleeding, did the cosmetic surgery. Nobody blinks. Wait for it. Jesus is going to speak in just a moment, and they're all going to fall down over the power in His voice, the fact that He he is the Lord over everything. Nobody believes. It isn't miracles. It's the preaching and the in the in the it's the preaching and the believing in the word of God. It is the word that changes people's life. It is the spirit of God used in the word of God, and miracles testify to the veracity of Scripture and all. But you can see all kinds of things. Truth of the matter is, Revelation tells us, and we'll get there this summer. Revelation tells us what that the false prophet and the antichrist come. And they do all this stuff, and the people believe that. It's some, completely an oxymoron that you see going on here. It's when we see all these things, and you see this and you're going, man, what's going on? What in the world's going on? So let me, let me, offer, these, let me offer these to you. Let me offer these to you. And again, I <clears throat> apologize about technical difficulty. Number one, I want you to see the necessity of prayer. If you're, if you're trying to take your notes at all, just go down to the bottom of your notes here. There's the necessity of prayer. <clears throat> I like to... Uh, I like to feed my problems. I like to, I like to stew on my problems. If I was a bird, I'd molt on my problems. It's only when I'm desperate, it seems like I'll pray about my problems. Anybody else in here feel like that? Jesus has given them the great leadership lesson. You need to pray. You need to pray. You are about to be so tempted. You better pray. You are about to be head on with the enemy. You better pray. And we have got to learn again to pray. I'm burdened for people who don't talk to Jesus. I am burdened for folks who go through the motions. I am burdened. Sometime when I go, man, man, people have got all these needs and stuff, and why won't they pray? And they want somebody else to pray for them, but they don't do that. Jesus gives us the great example. He goes, as he often did. Bowed, and he prayed so strongly, so vehemently, and under such attack that he actually starts sweating great drops of blood, the stress that he was under. And to pray. Did you pray yesterday? I was talking to a friend of mine. He said, you know, we used to, he said, I, I, would, I would tease people, you know, because the only time they prayed was at dinner, and they prayed like they were sneezing. Thank you, Lord. He said, man. He said, Rodney, he said, I'd be thrilled if people prayed over their food. What about you? I said, I hadn't thought about it. I said, I get so convicted about my own prayer life, I have a hard time throwing it out to others. pray for your kids, you pray for your spouse, you pray for your kids' spouses to be, you pray about your job situation, you pray for your country, you pray, where, where do you do? Do you pray, do you take adoration of the Lord? God, you are worthy and I am not. Do you confess your sins? I'm convinced some of us man, we've rationalized, we've done so many things and we don't see the benefit in that. We're not thankful people. we got a shopping list and a laundry list and God forbid we get bad medical news or we get this or whatever and all of a sudden man, it's God's fault and we've not even dealt with our own sins, much less supplicate, much less take our list. There's the necessity prayer. there's a second lesson that's here that's it's difficult to pray. Going to war, gentlemen. Okay. This is the night I'm going to be delivered. Okay. One of you that dips his hand with me in this gravy is going to betray me. Okay. They go to sleep because they're upset. He wakes them up. They still go back to sleep. It's difficult to pray. Let me me hit you with something. It's difficult to pray in your Gethsemane when it ought to be easier. Gethsemane, just title, the Jews, instead of calling something a plant or a factory, just oil press. Lots of olives. Very basic staple of Palestinian cooking. The oil, grapes. We now refer back to it as the Gethsemane. We talk about people having, experiencing their dark place, their place of being squeezed. It's hard. It's difficult. Even though it's difficult to pray, I man, we've got to pray. We've got to talk to the Lord. I've been thinking about our Easter outreach. I've been thinking about all these things, and I've I'm, am I'm, i I'm worked it out, and i got papers spread all over my, my desk and thinking and praying I'm thinking, and I'm going, man, I, I need to quit planning. I need to pray. People come to me with different needs, and for folks um, out of town uh, from here and reach out and I just man I stop and I, and, I, and I feel bad. I don't need to feel bad for him. I, I, I don't need to just feel bad I man. I, I need to pray. I need to pray, I need to talk to the Lord. there's a necessity prayer there's a difficulty in prayer. There's this idea here that every Gethsemane requires time alone with God. I'm glad man you go run to people. man, that's great. I'm glad. I will talk to you. I'll hold your hand. I will sit with you. I will cry with you. But you need to get along with God. Jesus does what? He goes, leaves him, gets along with God. Job weirdness, get along with God. Personal issues, get along with God. Unbelievable bad news, go get along with God. For me, it was in the garden... He prayed, not my will, but thine. Every Gethsemane requires time alone with God. And I want you to catch the last thing, and I'm, I'm done. Right here. There's a high price for salvation. There's a high price for salvation. The bargaining cup in the wedding. Father, the bride, the bridegroom, they negotiate. Father's okay. Again, nowadays just mostly symbolic. Hands it off. Take a sip. Father, mother, given their blessing. Here we go. The Passover cup. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. The third cup. At the feast that night. All that imagery. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all catch it. Be possible, Lord. Let this cup pass. Again, whether he was saying it not to be grabbed at for my glory, I don't know. But from eternity past, Jesus has always known what was ahead. He said it at 12, my will is to do, my meat my is to do the will of my Father. He echoes John the Baptist's message, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And he is not referenced, but you can have no doubt there was spiritual battle going on, and Jesus does what? Starts to ooze from his hands. It oozes from his back. His back starts being spotted and dotted. Capillaries his veins, the ground becomes a little more moist as it pools around his knees. You glance at his sandals and you wonder what's going on as the furthest extremities now have begun to empty. And he has such sudden severe blood loss and is in such severe shock that an angel of God comes And then we don't get an elaboration, but it ministers to him. And he goes right back to it. And he will march from there to be betrayed. And it's all waiting for him. The beating, the whip with the cat of nine tails, the crown of thorns, and then the and the patibulum, the middle part of the cross will be laid on him and he will be so physically in shock and exhausted that he will fall way before he ever gets to Galgotha. And still not the worst part. He will become sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Easter is only about this little sliver. No, it's about so much more. And it involves Jesus in his garden.